people of God who gather at the open and the empty tomb. I like to travel, many of you know that. I traveled when I was a little tyke for my pastor father moved more often than his second born son. Then there were those family vacations, finally seven kiddos packed into a station wagon for another adventure across the USA or into Canada. Connie and I have done a fair bit of traveling too, and as God grants us health, we hope to do more. Now some journeys can be boring. Here we go again. Some journeys are exciting, or at least interesting. Some journeys can be dangerous. I'll just say that Reverend May's driving in Kenya was at times quite the experience. How much did Jesus travel? His longest journey was from the courts of heaven into the womb of Mary. But when he lived on earth for his 33 years, Jesus really didn't go very far, well, except for that interesting trip to Egypt from Bethlehem. The 40 days of Lent were our journey, the church's journey, a journey of following Jesus. On February 19th, I remind you that we journeyed to the Mount of Transfiguration, and the following Sunday, right after Ash Wednesday, we went with Jesus on his journey into the wilderness where he fasted and was tempted by the devil. But there was only one destination on this journey. Jesus was moving toward Jerusalem because Jesus was going to the cross. Jesus was going to. He must, he told his disciples. He must die. We made these words from Hebrews, our Lenten words. Come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Last Sunday, our Lord entered Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna and the waving of palms. Soon there was an upper room where he, as a servant, washed his disciples' feet. He then gave them a new meal, a meal of the new covenant, a meal for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, a meal of his very body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. Then a journey not far to a garden called Gethsemane for prayer. But a storm was building, a storm of darkness, a storm of anger and lies, mockery and death. That part of the journey began with the kiss of Judas. It continued with an inquisition by Caiaphas, the high priest, and the trial before Governor Pilate. When the death sentence was given, the painful journey took Jesus up a small hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Here Jesus journeyed alone because he alone could do what must be done. He was alone with our sins and our guilt and our condemnation. On the cross, he suffered hell as he took our punishment and was separated from God the Father. Now the storm of judgment reached a crescendo, and then there was silence. For late on Friday afternoon, our Lord breathed his last. Two secret followers of Jesus dared to ask Pilate for his body. They were granted permission, and with great care, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took his corpse down from the cross and carried it to a cave carved out for burial. Rolling the stone in place, Christ's journey seemed to be over. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, 
Women walked slowly out of Jerusalem toward the grave. Though it was less than half a mile, it had to have been the longest journey they ever made. But when they came to the tomb, their journey and our journey changed. The journey changed because Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia. The stone is rolled away. Jesus' body is gone. Mary Magdalene thinks that someone has stolen or moved his body. When? Why? Who? Peter and John. No, we don't hear his name, but he wrote the gospel account. Sprint to the cemetery. John peeks inside the tomb and sees the discarded grave clothes. Simon Peter catches up, stoops down, and enters the cave grave. The linens used for burial are there, but Jesus' body is not. Here is the simple but important truth. Jesus' journey did not end at the cross. He had more work to do. And the open and empty tomb declares that his mission is accomplished. It is now all finished. For Jesus didn't only win the victory over sin, showering us with complete forgiveness. Jesus won the victory over Satan. He descended into hell to declare that victory. And Jesus won the victory over death, guaranteeing life that is greater than we think is real. And Jesus will be seen. He hasn't disappeared. Mary Magdalene sees Jesus in the garden. Two disciples walking to Emmaus see him that afternoon. Ten of the disciples are surprised with joy when he appears that night and shows them his hands and feet and side. And for 40 days, Jesus appears to many until he ascends to return to the glory of heaven. Now, all this is good and all this is important, but you may be wondering about our journey. I haven't forgotten. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story. It's an ongoing story. Ten weeks ago, our son-in-law, John David, who is a pastor up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, sent me a text. This text was, for the most part, a letter from his seminary classmate named Andrew Glenn Johnson. Pastor Johnson was serving a small LCMS congregation in western Iowa, and this 32-year-old pastor was at the end of his battle with cancer. Here's part of what he wrote. It is with a heavy heart that we learn today that I have weeks or months to live. New trials do not look promising. And if I have a little time with Tiffany, I wish to feel as well as possible for those moments. I do not embrace death. It is an enemy in God's world. But the Bible also describes those connected to Christ and away as sleeping. After 10 plus years of dealing with cancer, with surgeries and with depression, I embrace the rest which Jesus promises. For Jesus died, but he came back to life. I was incorporated, he wrote, into Christ's death and his resurrection on December 20th, 1990, when my parents carried their newborn and newly adopted son to the baptismal font. I will die soon, but I will rise too. If you have not been embraced by Jesus in holy baptism, take it from a dying man. It is all I have to lean on right now. Andrew fell asleep in Jesus on Tuesday morning of Holy Week. 
His funeral will be this Tuesday. John David will be there with Pastor Johnson's family, the members of his congregation, and many other pastors. The words of this pastor hit me hard when I saw them back in January. But I also read, I heard his strong witness. Andrew Glenn made a journey. Yes, that journey began in his parents' arms to the baptismal font in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But the great journey was into the death and the resurrection of Christ because baptism is anchored in all that Jesus did in winning salvation. And that is the journey which awaits four new children of God, four new disciples today. They will soon be marked with the cross as you are marked with the cross. This isn't magic and it's certainly not a tattoo. It's an action which says, all that Jesus did by his dying and his rising, he did for you. Because the journey starts at the font. The journey starts with baptism. The journey starts with God working by simple water connected to his strong word. Madison. James. Addison. Tamiya. Talia, lo siento. A journey awaits you. It begins on this Easter morning, and it will continue as you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will share this journey with you and with Christ, for we are all children of God, adopted by his grace. For each one of us, old or older, young or younger, needs to hear, rejoice in your baptism, you are a child of God. And we wear the same clothes, clothes that you will soon be given. For each believer wears the garment of righteousness, which the funeral pall on a casket up in Iowa on Tuesday will show, because Andrew's body will be clothed with his baptismal garment again. We also have the light of Christ as your candles will shine, maybe not outside this morning, but later today in your homes or with your families, shining with light that is far, far brighter than the world's darkness. What a journey, a journey which Christ made first and gives to us and walks with us and waits for us at its ending. It is yours, it is mine, it is ours this Easter morning until we share in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.